As you watch the screen, your heart begins to beat faster. There's a fluttering in the pit of your stomach. Your throat is dry. Your palms damp. Suddenly a chill runs down your spine. You clutch the person next to you. You tell yourself, it's only a movie. It's only a movie. But sooner or later, it's time to go Welcome to Filmstrip. I'm Jay. And I'm Ron. And this is our review of Friday the 13th Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan. Starring Jensen Daggett, Scott Reeves, Barbara Bingham, Peter Mark Richmond, V.C. Dupree, Kelly Hugh, and Kane Hodder. Directed by Rob Hedden. Released in 1989 on a budget of $5 million? Oof. <laughs> Ooh, really? Grows $14.3 million at the box office and caused Paramount to go... Nah, we'll just leave Jason in Manhattan because they were done with the series once this was over. Man, people love to hate on this one. Yeah, which honestly, I don't understand. It's just as dumb as any of the other ones, Um, if not slightly dumber. And there are so many people that get killed in such interesting ways. You you would think it would have everything that people would want from a Friday the 13th movie plus that extra layer of fun grime you get from 1980-something New York City. And Friday the 13th Part 8, mind you. I want to say this right now. This is not the dumbest one in this series. This, oh, no. No. Part 6 is dumb. Part 7 was mostly dumb. Part 5, really dumb. Part 3, pretty dumb. Like this is not, We're not batting a lot here. This is not, this is not the uh, random A that the F student makes, you know. <laughs> Uh, it's another C or D in the in the pile, but it's exactly what you expect. That's the funny thing to me is I saw this one before I saw the last one, New Blood, mostly because everybody told me how awful it was, and then I watched it and I was like, "Yeah, it's not any worse than Part Six, uh, pretty know? much." <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, and I kind of liked Part Six growing up, and I kind of like this one too. I mean, for what it is, again, uh, looking at it in its own comparison, like if you compare this to Psycho, well, you already are making a mistake, you know, because that's not what this series was built to do anyway but you know at this point this is where slasher films really died the hard death in in the 80s right 1989 you had a bad freddy film you had this thing you had uh, halloween 5 which while interesting i would not dare to try to tell you it was great you know, or anything right. like that. So all of it, I mean, you had three clunkers in a row. That just killed it all. Like, everybody was just done at this point with, with the slasher film. And the fact that these people had managed to get to a part eight in, like, eight years, that's impressive. That's some saw levels of uh, <laughs> pumping out movies. Yes, but without the extreme continuity that the saw movies do have. <laughs> without any sort of continuity, really, except in... Jason's battle damage. Yeah, that's the thing. The only thing that's continuous is the amount of damage done to the main villain slash hero here, Jason, uh, in all of these films. Everything else is, I don't know, we kind of have Crystal Lake, which sometimes changes its name and sometimes doesn't. Sometimes it's a camp. 
Sometimes it's a summer home. Sometimes it's a camp again. You know, sometimes it's a place for people to go get therapy. It's a lot of things, right? But it's at least always consistently there. And then what has become, I guess, uh, paramount for this in the last five, you know, sessions of it are all of the over the top random kills of people that are just set up to be killed. Do you think people hate this one the most because it's the, the one that's trying to be funniest? You know, I don't know why they would and then give part six a pass. Because part six is intentionally trying to be funny too, and people love that one, but they hate this one. The biggest complaint I always hear about it is like, it's called Jason Takes Manhattan, and he's barely ever in Manhattan. And I'm like, okay, that's fair. That's a fair criticism of it. But if you really expected them to spend the kind of money it would have taken to go to New York and shoot, you know, Jason going around killing things that were, you know, quintessentially New York, well, what would have been the point of that either? You know, like that. It's it's Jason takes a long ride to get to Manhattan is really what happens. I mean, they already had to bump the budget up to five million dollars, presumably just to shoot that one shot in Times Square. Five million dollars. That's the part that I can't get. I'm like, at no point have you guys spent the kind of money. To, and I don't know where it is in this one either, man. I mean, the sets Maybe. all look the same. It's I don't get it. Maybe they bought an actual yacht. Maybe maybe they couldn't rent it. They had to buy it. It's like that Jack Ryan movie where it's like two million dollars, you know, for the helicopter. <laughs> What's the deposit on the rental? Two million dollars. So maybe maybe that was it. I don't know. But uh, yeah, I, this one though does have a lot of hate and uh, for it. But maybe it's justified. Maybe it's not. I guess we'll get into it as we go. But is there a plot? Can you give us a summary, Ron? Sure. Uh, so, after a couple getting it on a yacht parked in Crystal Lake inadvertently revived Jason with a power line, <laughs> the hockey mask and ever-deformed killer hitches a ride with a bunch of teenagers and their teacher on a slow boat for a senior trip from Crystal Lake to the Big Apple. He stalks and kills several of them before they arrive in the city that never sleeps where he dispatches with where he dispatches with others and even encounters a few locals. Final girl Rennie and her beau Sean are chased by Jason until they trap him in the sewer and flood him with toxic waste, which somehow boils Jason down to his little boy form, allowing them to escape into the night. Well, you had me up into the last sentence. <laughs> I was following you. What happens at the end, I guess we'll have to talk about in detail, because I if I was confused about the last ending and how that went down, I can't wait to hear your theory here. Because <laughs> I don't, oh, yeah. I, boy, and there's no MPAA to blame now. So I don't know, because I don't know that they wanted to watch this. So, because there's a lot of stuff that gets passed here. And I'm like, you let that go, but you wouldn't let the other thing go. You know, they, they have random lots of kills for sure, but it does feel like they've toned it back a little bit. Yeah. Um, it, it seems like they learned from their last. Uh, debacle with the MPAA and decided to to kind of make it a little bit less uh, over the top this time. Well, more over the top, but less like actually gory. Maybe so. I mean, Jason kills like twenty people in this movie almost, right? And that's really how you could talk. How I guess how we'll talk our way through it because it doesn't take a lot of time to get to it. I mean, the longest series of of story at all is that opening bit where a couple getting it on in a yacht parked in Crystal Lake <laughs> revive Jason with a power line. 
Yeah, which yeah. Uh, is sure we'll we'll go with that. That makes as much sense as anything else in this movie series. Well, it does keep in continuity what happens at the end of part seven. Or if you want to write part seven out, it's just what happened at the end of part six. Either way, he's still stuck at the bottom of the lake, waiting for the Jaws two power line to wake him up. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely. They're really pushing the uh, Frankenstein thing with him. Oh, I mean, big time, right? But he's even got like more deformity. This time around, right? Because remember last time he lost his mask, so I guess this is definitely part seven continuity because when he comes up out of the water, he doesn't have any of that. But of course, idiot Jim, who is on the the yacht with his girlfriend and Susie there, decides I'm going to dress up like Jason Voorhees because that always gets the ladies to drop him. I don't know. Sure, why not? <laughs> yeah, he maybe did. in 1989. Maybe so. I mean, but I love how they both get killed with the spear gun. Jim gets stabbed with it quick, but like Susie and J- Jason, like screws with her before he kills her. Which is, I'm like, now he's sadistic on top of just being a mass murderer. And I'm like, why does she get it worse? Jim was the jerk. You know why? Why does she get it worse than he does? Uh, but Jim also provided him with uh, his necessary mask. Maybe that was it. It's like, I'm going to do Jim a solid and just shoot him real quick. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, Susie, no, we're going to we're gonna play with the food a little bit before I take her out. Maybe that's why people don't like this one. It seems a lot more uh, violent towards women and not just indiscriminately violent. Oh, it, it definitely is. There's for sure. Because the next person to get killed is JJ, our budding rock star here. Can we just <laughs> talk about this, the whole setup real quick? They're going to get on a senior trip to get on a slow boat from Crystal Lake to the Big Apple, right? When sure. they probably could have taken a train and gotten there at least half the time faster. How do you get from a lake to uh, New York Harbor? Well, I guess if it feeds out into the Hudson, that's the only thing I can think of. Uh, yeah, I guess that makes sense. I mean, I don't, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know either. I mean, that's the only thing I could think of as well. Maybe you know, the lake has to come from somewhere. It's, if it's not a man-made lake, let's say it's a natural lake. Where is it feeding from? And then, but like the thing is, is in all of these films, Crystal Lake didn't come off as this like big body of water. It's like a small place, I would think, right? Yeah, you can see both sides of Crystal Lake. Like, standing on one side, you can see the other side. Like the keel of the boat that they're in. I don't know that it could fit. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think it, it would be dragging bottom and dragging up more than just Jason and power. Yeah. To be dragging up all those other dead bodies that are (laughs) at the bottom of the lake. Well, now Jason wasn't one to put people in the lake. That was Norman Bates. So, and that was a swamp. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't, I, Jason usually just left his people sitting around, you know, he let his meat spoil. He, he wasn't into keeping it in the water. The only thing else in the water is, I guess his ghost boy form or his mother. I don't know. If you watch part three, his mother was in the lake. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. That's the whole setup though, is the senior trip with, uh, Dr. Smith from lost in space. Right. That's who that was. <laughs> right. And, and a bunch of teenagers. Uh, I, did y'all do senior trip when you graduated? And certainly not organized by anybody at the school. We didn't do that. Uh, no, we didn't do anything like that, for sure. Yeah, no. But we get our random group of, of people here, and the first of which we'll meet to get killed is JJ, the guitar-playing girl who likes to shoot videos of herself plugged into an amplifier that also has a Walkman plugged into it so she can play along with, right? 
and her playing with it. Now that actually exists. Being a guitar player, I I knew that that you could do that. You could buy something where you plug your stereo into your amp and play along with it. It's actually a good practice <laughs> technique. So, but why would you bring that on the boat with you to shoot your breakthrough music video of somebody else's song? Because you've got that whole dance floor on the boat, I guess, for the eight people that are taking this senior trip. It seems like these eight people like, well, you know what? We have talked about there's not a lot of people in this town. That's probably the graduating class. You know, right there. That's probably all that's left at this point. Well, congrats to the eight of you who made it. We don't know how. You must have had no social life whatsoever. So, or your parents were super strict, and now they're going to let you get on a boat. In Crystal Lake, yeah. <laughs> Again, don't apply too much logic to this. It will make your head hurt. But I do love the kills here, though, because Jason now is officially the audience. He's doing things to people that we want to see done, and we want to see that girl get hit over the head with a guitar, and sure enough, that's what he does. Yeah, she got the uh, honky-tonk man slash Jeff Jarrett treatment. <laughs> Good call. I hadn't thought about it like that, but yeah, that that was very honky. Uh, Except that was a that was a solid body guitar, so it was a little bit more painful than yeah. being hit with the pulse of wood guitar. Yeah, look, that Ibanez does not forgive <laughs> in its tone nor in its uh, bashing features. Uh, I'm gonna tell you. So, uh, but I love the boxer though that gets it with the hot sauna rock in the stomach. He basically he gets the crap beat out of him first, right? By, mm-hmm. by Julius. And then, and he's only credited as boxer. So we don't even know who this dude is. And he gets a hot rock sauna, or a hot sauna rock in the stomach. Which, this is the craziest boat I think I've ever seen. This is definitely not a rental yacht. This no. is, this is like an ocean going vessel. This should be. This should be like a Royal Caribbean or something. Yeah, really. I mean, it, it does. But it, on the outside, it looks like the Exxon Valdez, you know, <laughs> or something that they've chartered to do this. It's very strange. Uh, I, I don't understand it. Um, but I, I don't know. It's just it's just weird. So um, the thing is, is uh, we, we also meet some other despicable people here. The the prom queen and I guess one of her friends or whatever are like sniffing coke. And I'm like, well, that's when you know this movie's hit another level of the 80s because no longer are they smoking weed and drinking. They're actually doing cocaine on the boat. I'm like, well, I guess this is a very special episode of 90210. <laughs> you know, so. It's a Lifetime Network uh, movie of the week. You know, it, if you take Jason out of it again, I think you could have an interesting one on this boat, don't you? There's some drama to be out of this boat. If oh, only definitely. if only anyone could survive long enough to do anything with any of it. So yeah, it's 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 definitely you've reached the zenith of this is the high water mark of the '80s, both in terms of that music that she was playing along to, yeah, and in terms of the uh, cocaine abuse. I'm just surprised there wasn't like a Spuds McKenzie getting stepped on, or uh, some sort of Bartles and James wine coolers being passed around. Something going on, right? Because Tamara, the prom queen girl here, or whatever, her whole plan is I've got to turn in my last science project. So she paints her body up, sort of in anatomy way, and then tries to seduce her teacher while someone else is videoing it. And that is going to somehow give her leverage over him when I don't know how that would work, you know, cause at no time does he do anything like remotely 
pursuit of her in that video situation. No, he's he's mostly horrified. <laughs> yes, as he should be. And as I was as an audience member watching this, realizing how old he looked and then how old he probably really was and then how young that woman was to do that. Maybe that's where the five million bucks went. Maybe she said, no, you got to put some zeros on the end of that if you want me to strip in front of Dr. Smith. Because so, uh, danger, he's, that check is he's, low. He's actually not Dr. Smith. He just really looks like Dr. Smith. He's, okay. I, I'm glad you corrected me on that. Bit. He really did look like Dr. Smith, though. I could have sworn that was him. Uh, so, but he, but again, either way, it, what a what a dumb idea. You know, but of course it's okay because she's not around long enough to really regret that decision because Jason kills her in the shower with a mirror shark, right? Because why not? You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like Jason is waiting around going, "What awful thing are you going to do?" Well, I guess I'll stab you with a mirror now. You know? I mean, it's, it does seem to be that arbitrary this time. It's definitely getting to be a little. The the, the passion seems to be gone. Yeah. Out of Jason. Yeah, he's. I mean, he looked like he really enjoyed killing Guitar Girl because she deserved it playing that awful, mm-hmm. right? But like that, you know, the slutty girl is like, ah, I'm tired of killing slutty girls. You know, it's like he's bored with that now. It's like maybe I'll go stick another hot rock in someone. So, <laughs> the, the thing about this movie though is it's an hour and forty minutes long. This is long, long boat ride, okay? And we have to go through him killing all of these people like this. And I I am actually going to posit a, a wonder here. I wonder if Kane Hodder was bored with this after having only done it once. If he looked at this and was like, God, this is boring. <laughs> you know? I, it wouldn't surprise me. Because yeah, there are times when he does look legitimately bored. Hey, and if it's coming through the mask and the the rubber mask he's got on underneath the mask, it's clearly uh, he's clearly doing a good job of portraying uh, Jason's ennui. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it just doesn't. I don't know. It just doesn't seem to go. So uh, we have the first uh, man at the helm here who gets harpooned in the back, and the admiral gets his throat slit. I'm like, how do you get to be an admiral and you're running this kind of boat? That has to be a fake title. You know, it's like you're just calling yourself captain, but you're not really. You know? uh, yeah, I think he's a joke admiral. Right. But he's got he's got the uh, soap opera star son who he gives some sort of random compass to, um, you know, is, is the beginning of this because he wants him to take over the helm. And the son's like, I'll just use the navigation computer. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> Maybe he's like a Nebraska admiral. It's like an honorary title. That could maybe that could be it. So uh, I am speaking to a Kentucky Colonel. So it's true. <laughs> this is true. So uh, you know more about those things than I do. So down here in Alabama, we don't do any of that. We just you know pillage money from the government and funnel it through our universities. Uh, but anyway, that's how we do our crime down here. But, Ways uh, to kill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's funny that we're talking about that and we're not talking about this movie. I think it says a lot, actually. So, uh, the sort of Samoan girl that was doing cocaine, I like her death on the dance floor. Um, because I want to know how Jason caught up to her. I actually wrote in my notes, did he teleport to that point? <laughs> because she's like dancing and then all of a sudden she's getting choke slammed. He learned some tricks from the girl in part seven. You know, I, again, contend that he teleported in that movie, too, <laughs> between two of the kills. So he seems to do it either that or there's some more bad editing going on. I don't know. 
Uh, a little from column A, a little from column B. Yeah, a little bit of both of these, right? So the point is, is Jason is doing the pick off on the boat, right? And I will tell you, it is it is standard just picking people off left, 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 and right. But there's about 20 minutes of this here where I'm like, well, you know, this movie is efficient. You know, I'm like, man, this is going to be fast. I really thought this movie was going to go by quick. The funny thing is, is this one's nearly 20 minutes or is, you know, almost 20 minutes longer than the last one, but it feels quicker to me. Maybe it's because the kills are closer together. Maybe, or maybe it's just because it's not as badly edited. Yeah. Yeah. I do feel that uh, that does play into this one's favor is that they, they're not doing things that are going to get cut to pieces so badly here. Mm -hmm. And so they're moving forward at a brisk pace, even though there's a lot of people for Jason to kill here before they get to New York. Yeah. They're, they're, it's definitely a high body count for what feels, it doesn't feel like there are as many people on this boat as there apparently are. Yeah. There's like a, this, this boat feels deserted most of the time. I think there are more people on the boat. And the thing is the friggin' boat goes down halfway through it. <laughs> like that's the part I did not remember. You know, there was a picture of the Titanic on the wall, right? <laughs> which I guess is this movie's idea of foreshadowing. But Jason sinks the boat. That is impressive. Yeah, it's a whole new level of uh, we've seen him like throw people through windows. We've seen him disable cars. And now he's moved up to destroying boats. I mean, I think it's like Jason just decided, you know, I, I whack these people all one at a time. They're stupid. So, but why don't I see if I can like up the game a little bit here, mommy? Uh, <laughs> I think I'm going to blow the hole in the, look, it takes a lot to sink a big boat like this. They're actually built to take on a lot of water. It, you have to, you have to hit it with an iceberg. You have to bomb it. You have to do something. I don't, I'm not even really sure how exactly he sinks the boat. Are you? Did, did you? Um, I think that? the the explosion is what does it. Is the the thing where he throws the guy into the electrical panel? Is that what it does? And, and that starts the fire, and I think the fire gets to the uh, fuel tank. Maybe that's it. Okay, so that makes total sense. So he he sets up like a Rube Goldberg for it then, because for yeah, those he things final, to he, happen, he has to have them in place together. Yeah, he final destinations. Uh, the boat <laughs> 20 years ahead of Final Destination being a thing. If only Mary Elizabeth Winstead was there and, and John Goodman, too, just for uh, fun, uh, <laughs> to be creepy and weird <laughs> together. So uh, that, that would that's the only thing that could have made this in, you know, more more fun. But I love that they're like, well, we're on the lifeboat. Let's just go ahead and, and row, row, row your boat to the city. And Jason, you know, has already hitched a ride to the other boat, Jason Bourne style, um, on the side of it. And now he's like, I'm just going to hang out underneath this. Maybe they won't notice they're dragging all 260 pounds of me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know how they didn't notice that kind of drag because that's a, that's a large man. They're hanging from the bottom of their boat. I know. At some point, Sean's got to be rowing going, Man, somebody left the anchor down or something. So it's like, God, I'm looking at all y'all. You ain't that big. What's going on? Nobody bothers to look at the rope that's trailing behind them, held taut. <laughs> no, I guess. The water skiing Jason. <laughs> yeah. That would have only been cooler if it had an outboard and he was water skiing behind there. You know, so, and they just kept going thinking, well, as long as he's out there, he's not up here. <laughs> that's true. Well, he kept saying, go faster. So. Mm -hmm. Or waving his hands in the, the international symbol for go faster. So he was probably having a good time. Maybe that was it. I don't know. But I love the whole welcome to New York. And their first thing is like, yeah, let's split up. That's a good idea. Yeah. You know? So yeah, that always works out well for everyone. 
So, um, so we get the, the, you know, our poor girl here at the beginning. What, what did you make of our tortured English student to be here, Rennie? Uh, because she's about to get attacked by home, Holmes and Jojo in, in the drug filled streets of 1980s New York. But the, I mean, what did you make of her just as a final girl? She doesn't do a lot for me. Uh, she doesn't really do a lot as final girl either. She, uh, she doesn't really save herself. She seems to only survive through uh, dumb luck and the intervention of others. Yeah, she does seem to stumble through life a good bit, right? And I don't get what her story is. There's the good teacher, Colleen, who likes her. That gets killed in a car wreck later. So that's, you know, again, killed, but not by Jason. And then there's the not Dr. Smith, Dr. Smith teacher that hates her. And I can't figure out why he doesn't like her. There's a is that her dad? That was it. Is he, no, he's like her guardian, like uncle or something. And he throws mm. her in the water of Crystal Lake to try to teach her how to swim because her parents are dead or something. And then that doesn't work. You know, of course. Surprisingly. Yeah, I mean, you know, that that's a bad idea. But like she's held on to the anger from that for a long time. Like I think at some point you got to you're reaching adulthood. You got to let go. You know. <laughs> that was a dumb idea and it was a jerk and he actually even said he was sorry about it. So you, you got to let that one go. So, I don't know. But it doesn't prepare her to help her at all that she is now attacked by random thuggery in pre Julian in New York or Toronto or wherever. Um, so, uh, but I love how Jason comes in, like Jason rescues her from these people. That's the thing. We, have we ever seen Jason rescue someone from someone else trying to kill them? No, which is a, a, a really weird thing. Maybe Jason has a problem with, uh, rape. I, I, He's okay with violence against women as long as they're slatterns. But when it comes to an innocent woman, she has to have sex of her own free will before she can die. I guess that's it. Maybe Jason is like, oh, no, 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 no. That's not how we do things in, in my part of the woods here. And so he syringes the dude in the back of the neck, and then he just you know beats the other guy on the in the head with a pipe. Right? So Jason actually actively saves someone that he is later going to try and kill. Um, I, I don't remember that ever happening anywhere else or again in this series. Um yeah, it's it's definitely a weird outlier. I think my favorite kill though is the next one, Julius the boxer. You know, he gets on a rooftop and Julius keeps like doesn't just hit him a couple of times. He goes like four rounds into Jason, hitting him in the hockey mask and I'm like the hockey mask is intended to take blunt force trauma multiple times. But go ahead Live your dream. And not once does he go to the body. You know, I'm like, you got to work the body no, punch. He he does go to the body, but it's about as effective as punching him in the hockey mask. You would think, though, that it would be more effective because Jason's got to be just goo at this point after all those years underwater. Uh, maybe the electrocution fries him. I don't know. Yeah, maybe it uh, kind of cures him like uh, salt pork. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Maybe it is like hitting a big, you know, uh, side of meat like Rocky. Uh, but it is my favorite death when Jason one punch like knocks his head off of the building and into the trash can that then closes. I, uh, I laughed and laughed at that one. Yeah, I, I mean, Julius has survived. He got thrown in the water earlier off the boat. So he's already proven himself to be tough. And the fact that he survived that, I was like, oh, I thought he was going to make it. But no, he's he's got to get killed. Um, and 
the thing is, though, is that it's not long after this we get my least favorite kill of this film, and that's where we grab the random cop and just pull him into the alley and take him out. We don't even get to see what happens to him. I'm like, well, why? What's the point of that? You know, I don't, I don't get it. It's a really weird, like, out of place thing, and they, they also kind of. Do it again later on with that guy from the sanitation department that they killed for no good reason. Right, yeah. The, yeah, the other guy thrown, thrown away the same way. It's just so weird. Uh, we we got to talk about Colleen, the good teacher's death here, because Rennie actually kills her, you know, if, if we just want to say it. Like, that that's her fault, right? That one's on her. Uh, because she tries to run over a vision of child Jason or something and causes a crash where... Three people escape, but not the teacher, you know, who dies in a fiery wreck. I, first off, what's with the child Jason visions? Where's that coming in? Rennie's not psychic, is she? I don't think so. I think it's just from her um, uh, swimming lessons. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, are we to believe that boy Jason tried to drown her? Well, he he's done it before, uh, or... Well, how uh, old appears- is she? <laughs> that happened a long time ago. He drowned in the 50s. <laughs> so Maybe she stayed out of the sun. <laughs> I don't get it. I mean, like, I get what they're trying to show, but that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so, especially when everything else is apparently in continuity, but now that's not. That's why <laughs> I say, I'm like, I don't... Who was putting this together? Because it seems like they... They would write a draft of it and then come back to it six weeks later and forget where they had started. And they're just like, eh, screw it, and just keep going. You know, I mean, it's so inexplicable. Yeah, it's, it's, again, like seven, this feels like it was a different movie. Um, yeah, for the, just, for the record, part seven of this series, not the movie seven. Right. Well, yeah, no, not the movie seven. It's nowhere near that good. Um, but there is a head in the box, so <laughs> yeah, we do. We do. What's in the box? <laughs> What's in the pre-Giuliani dumpster? Um, <laughs> yeah. It's it, again. It's like they took another movie and just threw Jason into it, like it was a Hellraiser sequel. Oh, but here's the thing, though. This one, there was no. This was concocted to beginning. Just the idea of Jason takes Manhattan, and they wrote this story around it. They, this was not something else that then they shoved Jason in, whether they did that last time or not. They actually wrote this one to be this way and it's just this incongruous you know that's the part that i don't get is someone said yes and five million dollars to it you know like yes and more money like i that part i paramount deserved to lose on this one so for for letting that get by that's and it it still made a surprising amount of money i know that's the thing is it's not like it it, this did not go in reverse they made money on this (laughs) because people will go see anything at least once so at least they would in 1989. Now they won't now, because why would you? Netflix exists. But you know, uh, this God, uh, yeah, I, I can't get over how again all over the place this movie is. Yeah, it's it's really a it's a mixed bag tonally too, because mm-hmm. you've got the weird uh, rape threat that you never got before. Right. Uh, you got the, the the use of like heroin. And you've got the uh, lecherous, you know, other teacher, Charles here, whatever. His death, like, he doesn't just die. He gets drowned in a sewage barrel, because of course we just leave toxic waste sitting out on the street in 1989 New York. Well, it is New York. I mean, 
Well, wait a minute. Ghostbusters have... 2 was 1989, wasn't it? Or somewhere around in there? What? Like, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Where's the pink slime? That, you know. <laughs> Well, that, well, maybe that's what. Well, maybe that's why Jason reverted to child Jason form. Maybe he got covered in mood slime. That could have been it. This movie has mood slime all over it because you're right. Tonally, it's all over the place because we've always. I mean, we've we've had several sequels now where Jason has been the reason you go to watch this or whatever. But now you have reason to actively root for him to kill people, <laughs> you know, and not just because they're annoying teenagers that are avatars of what torture you in high school. He's you know he actively kills drug rapist and the teacher that tortured another character yeah it's he he's straight up the hero of this one right i mean it's all that's left now is rennie and sean and somewhere the dog you know right i do love the subway i i thought this was the best part of the movie i wish there was more of this oh yeah this this definitely is one of the highlights of the movie for me too just to see jason interacting with a bunch of uh battle-hardened new yorkers so to speak. Right. Right. Well, I mean, this is what we wanted, right? If you're going to have Jason go to the 1980s New York, you got to get him on a subway. You, you needed to get him in front of the, you know, uh, Statue of Liberty somehow, maybe throw him off of it. You know, the, you needed him to he's, do some of these things. He's got to run, he's got to run into, uh, some, some B boys. Yes. And re- I love how they start talking to him and he just lifts the mask up and just flips it back down. <laughs> That that yeah. actually was fun. This is like the fifteen minute part of the movie though, where I'm like totally into it. I'm like, if the whole movie was this, it'd be large popcorn city, baby. Because oh, yeah. this was amazing, and I feel like they wrote this first, and then they said, now how do we get there? <laughs> and, then, and then they concocted the first uh, seventy minutes, <laughs> you know, because once they get to this point. Man, it, I'm, I was ready to check out. I'm not going to lie. I was like, oh, this is just bad. This is terrible. I even had to like do it in two different spots. But this part, oh, I rewound to the beginning of it and started it again. I was down for the Jason in actual New York part. Yeah, this is the uh, the the first half of Full Metal Jacket of the Jason movie franchise <laughs> in terms of it's the part that everyone, everyone wanted it. It's the part that everyone watches and likes the most. Exactly. It's the, it's the thing that just gets you in. I mean, you get the cook thrown in the diner mirror, which is great. The sanitation guy again, gets hit in the head with a wrench in the shadows, you know? which, uh, uh, fun story. That cook is the guy, uh, Ken Kurtzinger who would go on to play Jason in Freddy versus Jason. I did not know that was him. Well, th- how about that? Okay. That's so, him. Very cool. What, you know what? He's a good look because he's a big, tall dude. So, you know, as Kane Hodder's kind of a, he's tall. I mean, 6'2", he's tall, and he, but he looks like a linebacker. You know, Ken Kirchner's will find out he's much taller. I guess probably to match Robert England, who's also kind of tall. Yeah. Uh, the, that was the, one of the big reasons why, uh, Kane Hodder was not chosen because they wanted someone who was taller than Robert England, and they're roughly the same height. I was going to say that's, the, but they're not much bigger because Robert. It's not like Robert England's Patrick Ewing. That's the only thing, by the way, that this Jason didn't get to do. I would have loved to have seen him like run into Bill Lambeer, you know, who kind of played like Jason, you know, for the for the Detroit Pistons, and maybe like the Pistons were in town to play the Knicks, and like Lambeer and Ewing are, you know, talking trash, and then Jason walks by. That would have been that would have been great, uh, but. I guess we couldn't afford that. So or Charles Oakley bashes him with, with an elbow. <laughs> there you go. You know, that's also could have happened. Or John Starks talks mad trash as he drops a three on him. So just as long as Reggie Miller wasn't around. <laughs> Spike Lee, Spike Lee yelling at him from Brooklyn. So, yeah. 
<laughs> Crooklyn. So anyway, uh, but yeah, we, you know, that's our last kill though, is sanitation guy, because he does get some good exposition off. Like you got to get out of here. They flush the toxic waste through the sewers every night at midnight. And I'm like, why? <laughs> Where's it? And where is it going? Is the other thing. Uh, so, Tromaville, New Jersey. It's got to be right. That's where. That's where Toxic Avenger. Right? I'm going to ask you now because again, they they did about 10, 15 minutes here where I've been entertained, and then I felt like they were like, and we're out of money. We got to end this. So please explain to me in the best way that you can what your interpretation of this ending is because I don't know. Um, the toxic waste burned away the supernatural zombie uh, symbiote that had attached itself to the child Jason, and it turned him back into the little deformed boy that that we know and love. And that's the worst explanation possible because I already used the one about the mood slime from Ghostbusters too. <laughs> right. So what you're trying to say is that the toxic slime baptizes the sin away to get back to the innocent form? Sure, yeah. That, we, that sounds good. There we go. It's full immersion. So uh, <laughs> so there's only certain denominations this applies to. But uh, if you want to go with that metaphor, I don't – I really don't – I mean, I know what I see. I don't understand how it happens. I what is what I wrote down in my notes? I don't know. My wife looked at me and said, "What? What was?" I I, I just shook my head. I said, "I don't know." I said, "Your your guess is as good as mine." I said, "I don't think they know. I don't think Rob Hedden knows. I'm pretty sure uh, Kane Hodder doesn't know." I think so. they just wanted a cool ending, and you couldn't have him leap out of the toxic waste as a boy and drag someone down. I mean, you could have, but they didn't want to. Um, Wait a minute! You just said they wanted to have a cool ending, and then they did this. <laughs> that's right. Whoa, that's a bad idea. Well, they probably they wasted all their money on that boat and to buy the fake toxic waste. <laughs> Had to be. Well, you know, maybe they got that on loan from like you can't do that on television because it does have the same color. Like it is that consistency of the slime, right? And you had to hire the Beastie Boys to play the the four punks, so. <laughs> That would have been awesome, actually. I, I wish, yeah. <laughs> yeah, God, that would have been a better use of sabotage, which this was a few years before that. But they could have they could have done "No Sleep to Brooklyn" as the end credit song instead of what we get that slow jam thing. I don't yeah, know what that, that, that was that weird and terrible slow jam. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it reminded me of like there was a character on Young and the Restless in the eighties and early nineties who was supposed to play some kind of pop singer, and that was the kind of crap he would sing. On there oh, wow. and stuff, and the fact that I remember that says a lot about what I watched when I was at home sick. Uh, but anyway, <clears throat> clearly terrible things. <laughs> and I host a podcast these days, and everyone <laughs> acts surprised. Uh, but yeah, I don't know what happens here at the end either, nor what Sean and Rennie are going to go do. They find their dog, thank goodness, the little border collie thing, and they're like, "Well." We're in New York. I guess we should go catch a show. <laughs> you know, that's kind of what they go do is they just sort of start walking toward a Coca-Cola sign. You know, they, or something. they go to Times Square, Times Square to catch some hardcore porn. <laughs> I guess, yeah, 1989. That would have been about what was there. It was before Disney took over, right? So, um, yeah, they uh, or possibly cats. 
Maybe it was Cats on. Yeah, I guess Cats would have been on in '89, right? So before Wicked, you know, or Spider Man Turn Off the Dark, uh, which, which would have been more interesting, I think. So it would have been a higher body count if they had shot Spider Man Turn Off the Dark. This is true. There would have been a lot more grave injuries and murder. I mean, when Law and Order does a, a rip off of you as it's happening, you need to shut down production. So. Uh, great episode, by the way, of Law and Order Criminal Intent, by the way. That is a good one. That is a very good one. Well, I think we're definitely beyond the point of the podcast where it's time to get final thoughts, recommendations, and popcorn ratings. So tell me, Ron, what are yours for Friday the 13th Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan? I, I'm going to go with a small popcorn. Um, like you, if we'd had a full movie of Jason in New York doing New York things, maybe go to CBGBs and and stab bad brains or <laughs> run into to television or Patty Smith, uh, you know, Andy Warhol. That would have been great. I would have loved that. Um, you know, uh, but we just didn't get enough of Jason in Manhattan. And I can see why people are mad about that. Cause we get a lot of time on this boat, which feels like a way to save money to get to your five big scenes in New York. Um, but yeah, uh, small popcorn. The boat stuff is kind of boring, even by Friday the 13th standards. Um, I do appreciate how weird, uh, uh, what's his name, the AV geek is. Yeah, um, Wayne. Wayne, yeah, how he looks like the love child of Corey Feldman and Crispin Clover. I did like that part. <laughs> he carries on the great tradition of Friday the 13th weasel boys to get murdered. <laughs> yes. Uh, but, you know, just not enough New York, man. Just should have been... Uh, like he should have walked through Times Square. He should have went to the Bowery. He should have, you know, cr- should have seen him like coming out of the East River, like carrying some guys in concrete shoes. <laughs> uh, you know, something like that. Run into some mobsters. We didn't even see Jason like buy a hot dog. <laughs> well, he did throw that guy through the window. That Ken Kirschinger was probably cooking. True. I, okay, I agree with everything you said in terms of the critique of this movie. It's not enough Manhattan. It's kind of cheesy. Jason looks kind of bored for some of it. And honestly, for the first 20 minutes of this, I'm like, oh boy, <laughs> this is going to be a long ride. But after the boat sinks, I'm going to tell you, I started having a really good time with this movie. Even though it, it comes to a really inexplicable end. Once they get off that boat and we just start doing lifeboat things, and then again, that 10-minute stretch where they're actually doing New York stuff... I'm having a lot of fun. I'm having more fun with this than I was in part seven. I'm having more fun than I did in part six. And I kind of liked that one. I think up until the very end, I was finding myself entertained by what was going down. But, but that part after the boat sinks through uh, Jason's dissolve is so much fun. It just makes me want that to be more of the movie. Like I want, uh, like I want surviving the game with Jason. (laughs) <laughs> no, I totally agree with you. And that's why when I give it this rating, I hope you understand what I'm saying. I'm going to give this a medium popcorn because I think the back half of it makes me wish it, gosh, it could have been so much better. It's that middling medium popcorn that frustrates the stew out of me so many times reviewing these things. So I'm like, this, this had potential to actually be kind of good. Now it's only half good. 
you know, but I think because the back half is the better part, if you can just sort of vacuum while the first part's going on, you don't need to pay attention to any of this. Who cares? You know, <laughs> none of the people that die on the boat matter. So just let it go. You know, <laughs> watch the first couple minutes so you know who the characters are, realize who Rennie and Sean are, and go, that's who I got to pay attention to. Done. Then so, fast forward until the boat sinks. Well, no, just let it play. And like I said, vacuum, you know, do your silver, whatever you do. Look you up know. when they're screaming, you know. <laughs> exactly, right? When, when, when it, when the boat goes down is when you need to sit down and go, okay, hold on. And just start watching. I think there's enough fun to be had in this. And I'm going to tell you now, I enjoyed it more than the last one. I, I really did. I, I'm going to give it a medium popcorn and, uh, I may burn with that rating, but, uh, again, I, I think half of this movie is good. And if they could have just done that, I would have been, uh, it would have been so much better. It would have been very fun. Uh, but, it didn't all work. And so that's why we're here where we are today with this. But, uh, yeah, Jason takes Manhattan. I'm going to give it a medium popcorn. Uh, I mean, I can't argue with your logic. Uh, it just, I just took it the different, the other way instead of the way you did. No. And I, I think we both are way more fair to this than most of the you know, podcasting and internet community that, oh, hate, for sure. that hate on this film. Again, it's part eight of a series that was only concocted to be a money grab to begin with. If you expect more, that's on you. That's like buying a Kiss album and expecting something other than what Kiss is going to give you. You know, I mean, there, there's some, can be some entertainment in that, right? But Hot in the Shade is still Hot in the Shade. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's still, still just Kiss songs. So, I mean, that it's like ACDC records too. It's four chords and a lot of sweat, you know, and, Sometimes that's okay. You know, uh, that's how I feel about Jason movies altogether. They're not built to be great art at any time that, and under no circumstances should that ever be considered as such. So, to, so to act like part eight is just this travesty of cinema. Not really. I mean, for what it is, it's not even the worst one in its own series. In fact, I'm going to say now we haven't seen the worst one yet. I'm just going to tease that out there. In my opinion, we haven't gotten to the worst one yet. So which one will that be? I guess we'll see. We got, we got three more to go here. Of course, Jason goes to hell is next and then Jason X and then the remake before we team back up with Brian and do Freddy versus Jason to end our extended shocktober. Of course, folks, you can find all of our episodes at our website, continuousplaypodcast.com slash movies. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. If you like the show, give it a positive review. Helps other people find it. We really do enjoy it. Appreciate your support. We got all kinds of stuff we've reviewed. I mean, Lifetime movies. Ron and I have been doing those now for a little bit. We've got some good cheesy action movies from the Golden Globus Library, uh, which uh, you definitely you know, feature Ron and, and some stuff. So you want to check that out. We've got you know Halloween. We've got Hellraiser, Aliens. We've even got some rom-coms and ron and i did ghostbusters back in the summer we may have been the only two people that liked that too for a little bit you know so yeah, yeah uh, feel free to listen to our ghostbusters review and tell us how wrong and stupid we are exactly we, we i think for about 48 hours we were the only men that said we liked that movie so uh, <laughs> i'm almost certain that that was the case but um you know paul feig did like my tweet by the way about how much i liked that movie so i nice. i'm famous by proxy now um, so, um, at least that's what I'm going to call it. So, but again, all that on our website, continuousplaypodcast.com slash movies. Again, thank you for your support. Until next time, for Ron, I'm Jay. Thank you for listening to Filmstrip. Thank you for listening to Filmstrip. You can find more episodes on our website, continuousplaypodcast.com forward slash movies. 
please leave us a positive review on iTunes and link up with us on Facebook. The Film Strip theme music is produced and performed by Frozen Lake 121.